Hello and welcome to the Tall Friendly Atheist Ed podcast. Uh, for this episode, I'm going to take two Christian denomination quizzes. And I'm going to take these from the perspective of when I was a fundamentalist charismatic. So the first one is from pewforum.org. And the second one is from a website called selectsmart.com. Now, I will leave links to these quizzes in the in the uh, in the podcast notes, and it would be a really good idea if you took these quizzes along with me. So what I'll do is I'll be doing the Pew Research Center quiz first, and then from there I'll we'll jump over to the SelectSmart.com quiz, and we can compare answers. Uh, you can listen to me talk about my former days as a Christian. And you can see how then once you hit the submit results, um, you can compare your results with mine. Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad. I hope you're having a great day, and welcome to the Tall, Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. So I've jumped on Google, and I've just Googled Christian denomination quiz. And I found a few which, um, you know, look like they uh, they could be fun. So the first one I'm going to do is from pewforum.org. Now, I'll leave links to these quizzes in the, in, in the description. The first one I'm going to do is from pewforum.org, the religious typology quiz. So on this, so question one of 16. This is going to be a long one. Aside from weddings and funerals, how often do you attend religious services? And so this one is a multiple choice, and the options are more than once a week, once a week, once or twice a month, a few times a year, seldom or never. So when I was a fundy, I will more than once a week. And yeah, that's a... Uh, so hit next on that. Question two of 16. Which of these statements comes closer to of you, even if neither is exactly right? One, it is not necessary to believe in God in order to be moral and have good values, or B, it is necessary to believe in God in order to be moral and have good values. The fundy in me says, B, it is necessary to believe in God. Question 3 of 16, how much meaning and fulfillment, if any, does your religious faith provide you? A great deal, some, not much, or none at all? And a great deal is the answer because when you're a fundamentalist, your your life revolves around your faith. So I'll hit that. Let me just press that there and press that there. Great deal. Question four. How much meaning and fulfillment, if any, do spiritual practices such as meditation provide you? And again, a great deal, some, not much, or none at all. And yeah, in in the charismatic faith, you know, um, being filled with the Holy Spirit was sort of a mark of approval and you were expected to not only pray, but uh, pray what is called uh, praying in tongues, but uh, the church I was in, Use the more softer, the, the the softer term, praying in your spiritual language, and that and there was sort of like um great great weight placed on praying in tongues. So I'm going to say a great deal. Question five: How much meaning and fulfillment, if any, does being outdoors and experiencing nature provide you? A great deal, some, not much, or none at all. 
Now, this is a, a interesting one because, yeah, the, the, the fundamentalist uh, me would much rather be, you know, in a Bible study or, you know, meeting with the meeting with the brothers and sisters. Um, doesn't really care if it was outdoors or not because any fellowship was building the body of Christ. Um, so I'm going to say some on this one. Considering everything, what impact do churches and religious organizations have on American society? Now, I'm going to change that word American to Australian because, yeah, as you can tell from my weird accent, I'm, I'm not American. So they do more harm than good. They do more good than harm or don't make much difference. And of course, as, as a fundamentalist, you're not allowed to think that the church does anything bad. Like, yes, all those churches that were abusing children and embezzling money, they were the bad churches. But, you know, those churches that walk in the spirit where people like believe in the Holy Spirit and, you know, the spirit comes down and does miracles and faith and all that kind of stuff, they're the good churches. And so they're the ones that are doing much more good. And it's the old stale churches where people go to seminaries and, you know, the joke is they go to cemeteries, not seminaries. <laughs> you know, they're the ones that are, you know, put, you know, declaring the, the word of the Lord. They're the ones declaring faith and victory and all that. So um, Fundy Me will see, say they do more good than harm, of course, because you're not allowed to, God's not allowed to lose. Now, uh, question seven. Other than during religious services, how often do you pray? Several times a day, once a day, a few times a week, once a week, a few times a month, seldom, or never. And again, in, in fundamentalist land, um, especially in charismatic fundamentalist land, you know, you were like, they, they didn't keep tabs on you, but you're sort of expected that. Um, you would do morning devotionals. Um, I never did because I never, you know, never really saw the value in them. Like if you go, if you're going to be praying during the day, then what's the point of doing a a morning devotional, you know, kind of thing? But you know, you're always expected. Like you know, the the guidance was that you know it's always good to be praying, and you know if you know, uh, and the church I was in was uh, believed strongly in the shepherding movement. And so you had a person in the church that you were accountable to. And so, yeah, if you, if they ask you, oh, how often do you pray? And you go, oh, I pray once a day when I get up and they go, oh man, you know, you've got to be praying more. You've got to be, in, you've got to be walking in the spirit, man. And so, so you were urged to, you know, pray regularly throughout the day. And as a good Christian boy, um, that's what I did. So several times a day is what I'll what I'll put. Um, yes, if you if you're following along at uh, at home or you know in front of your computer, then yeah, you know exactly where I'm coming from. Question eight of sixteen: What comes closest to your views, even if none is exactly right? A. The Holy Scripture is the Word of God and should be taken literally, word for word. B. The Holy Scripture is the Word of God, but not everything in it should be taken literally word for word. Or C, the Holy Scripture is a book written by people and is not the Word of God. Now, um, I've mentioned on previous podcasts that my university education caused me to question a literal reading of the Bible. And I would say that even though my church was young earth creationists um there were even some certain spots where they wouldn't um take things literally like for example there are verses now i'm just going to quickly look it up as i as i do this um let me jump to the google machine Second uh, Corinthians thirteen twelve says, "Greet one another with a holy kiss." Now, um, yeah, in my in my church, um, yeah, if a boy and a girl, um, or even two boys, you know, hugged and kissed each other, 
Um, you can bet that the shepherding movement instinct would kick in and there would be people, you know, you, there would be people taken behind closed doors and admonished for, you know, like, you know, hug, hugging between guys is fine, but yeah, when it gets to um, unruly behavior or questionable behavior, and we're talking questionable by modern modern standards, um, or should I say modern fundamentalist standards, then yeah. So stuff stuff like that, um, you know, and, and there was a um, yeah, like not not everything in my fundamentalist church was taken absolutely literally. But the problem I have, and this is something that I struggle to get a coherent answer for now, is what is the heuristic that a fundamentalist uses to determine between taking something literal? And taking something as figurative or mythological, and for example, the the talking snake in the garden, I've never come across a cogent reason as to why we should believe that the serpent in the garden had legs and could talk, and especially with young Earth creationists, because they'll come to you and say, "Well, Damien, Genesis one one says." In the beginning, God made the heavens and the earth, and that's all there is to say about that. And then you get a couple of chapters later where it says, you know, that the serpent spoke to Eve, and I say, hey, you know, hey, buddy, you know, um, any proof that snakes could walk or talk to make, you know, the serpent in the garden story literally true? Oh, you've got to take that on faith. Or, you know, oh, that's just a mythological interpretation of something or whatever. So... Yes, what I was saying was that the the heuristic between literal and figurative has to be better than what makes sense. Otherwise, you are literally employing personal bias into you know your heuristic into how you read the Bible. So anyway, yes. Yeah, so let me just go back to that quiz. So I'm actually going to answer B. The Holy Scripture is the Word of God, but not everything in it should be taken literally word for word. Question 9 of 16. Are you currently active in church groups or other religious or spiritual organizations or not? And answer 1 is yes, active, or B, no, not active. Um, again, it goes back to uh, my fundamentalist charismatic circles. You know, especially in the youth group, um, you were expected to be active in, in some sort. If you weren't in the worship team, you were expect you were expected on Saturday nights to help set up the church for the next morning. Um, you were expected to be part of the midweek Bible study home groups. Um, if there was a special church event, such as uh, at the annual uh, the annual convention, with there's like a youth uh, the university outreach rally. If there's like something special going on, um, you were definitely definitely expected to be part of that. And even during the midweek, uh, midweek activities, or the the packing up, or the setting down, or so, something like that, you know, you were kind of expected um, to be part of that. And if you weren't, you were seen as lukewarm. So yes, um, when I was a fundamentalist, I was quite active. Um, I dedicated many dollars and many hours uh, to my church movement. Question ten of sixteen. To what extent do you consider yourself a religious person? Are you A, very religious, somewhat religious, not too religious, or not at all religious? Um, yeah, for me, I was uh, very religious uh, to the point that um, when I had anxiety attacks, I would use prayer as a way of uh, defending, uh, defending against that. Um, when something went wrong, it was very common to blame demons or satanic forces. Um, you know, it was yeah, like every every good thing in your life was because was because of God, and every bad thing in your life was a, a vestige of Satan, or you know, he was doing something to to make life hard for you or something. So yes, uh, I was very religious. Now, by the time I walked out of my faith, 
I was uh, I went down to somewhat religious, so I still had um, strong personal beliefs. Um, yeah, so where was I? Yeah, so by the time I walked away from the faith, I was still fairly religious, though being away from my charismatic church, you know, we took things a lot less spiritually. And yeah, look, I'm really thankful that I I went to my Baptist church because yeah, this my Baptist church were, and you've heard me, you may have heard me say this before, they were like the most vanilla, inoffensive, you know, well, all friendly. But yeah, the the most um, like it was more the exception that you were super spiritual rather than the norm. And I think because of that, you know, that kind of tempered my uh, my theology and my doctrine. And so, yeah, so by the time I came out, I was somewhat religious. And yeah, the, the story of my deconversion is for another episode. So yeah, and because I'm answering this as as a fun, fundamentalist charismatic, very religious. If they had like a very, very religious uh, answer, I probably would have chosen that. Uh, question 11 of 16. To what extent do you consider yourself a spiritual person? Are you A, very spiritual, B, somewhat spiritual, C, not too spiritual, or D, not at all spiritual? And again, uh, answering this from the perspective of uh, being a fundamentalist charismatic, um, very spiritual. Um, You know, we were... Uh, how can I say, uh, we were taught that the Holy Spirit is a real and present force and is the most powerful force on earth and can enable you to do anything, um, even speak in uh, incoherent babble, which, uh, yeah, there's that. But then also you had the sect of uh, fundamentalist charismatics that believe that uh, demons were real, that demons could possess, that demons were the cause of personal maladies, such as sickness, such as mental health problems, such as homosexuality as well. Um, and just in saying that, there is a particular lady in my uh, in my church who was, um, I think if I remember correctly, she said she was same-sex attracted uh, when she came in. And she went through a, a series of prayer sessions with the sister-in-law of the of the senior pastor, and um, yeah, and miraculously she came out as no longer same-sex attracted. Um, yeah, I'll, if I take her at a word, then yeah, Amen, Hallelujah, all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know too much either way. Um, yeah, so anyway, so what I was saying was, yeah, so in, in my church, um, yeah, you were you were a a really good Christian if you believe that A, the Holy Spirit uh is able to empower you to do supernatural things, and B that Satan is waging war on uh, believers to make life hard for them to stop them from fulfilling God's plan for their life. So, question 11 of 16, very spiritual. Question 12 of 16. Which of these statements comes closest to your views, even if none is exactly right? I believe in God as described in the Bible. B. I do not believe in God as described in the Bible but I do believe there is some other higher power or spiritual force in the universe. Or C, I do not believe there is any higher power or spiritual force in the universe. And of course, as a fundamentalist, you've only there's only one option, is that you believe in God as described in the Bible. Um, and furthermore to that, don't you dare introduce some sort of heretic doctrine um, into, in, into the church. Um, yeah, and the, the, the scripture that gets uh, thrown out a lot is, you know, I preach to you um, a certain gospel. If anyone comes preaching to you another Christ, then they are uh, to be dismissed. I forget what the exact wording of the verse is, but yeah, that you'll probably know which one I'm talking about, especially if you're a current or a former Christian. 
Um, yeah, so you were to believe in God as the Bible because the Bible is a word of God. And why would God lie in his word about himself? Obviously. Question 13 of 16. Do you believe in heaven? Yes, believe in. Or no, don't believe. Um, silly question. Of course you believe in heaven because that's where you're going once your trial life ends. Do you believe in hell? Uh, yes, believe in, or B, no, don't believe. And again, um, yes, you believe in hell. Um, what qualifies you to go to hell is uh, is, is is a bit different. But um, yeah, there are some who are universalists uh, in that everyone's going to heaven and that hell is made only for Satan and his demons. Um then you have the fun- then you have the fundamentalists who believe that babies go to hell because they haven't had the chance to repent of their sin. So anyway, question fifteen to sixteen: Do you believe in spiritual energy located in physical things such as mountains, trees, or crystals? Now for this, uh, and again, your your options are yes, believe in, or B, don't no, don't believe. Now, um, I'm going to go, no, don't believe. Actually, no, no, I'll, I'll change I'll, I'll change the answer. Here. Yes, believe in. With the caveat that if you believed in crystallology or numerology or um, you know, things like that, you were partaking in new age uh, demonic divinity. Um, you know, we acknowledge that certain tribal groups in remote places pray to things like trees or rocks or inanimate objects, things like that. So, you know, yeah, so we did believe that there was an inherent spiritual uh, thing associated with inanimate objects, but if you partook in that spirituality, then that was uh, that was paganism. Or really, paganism is another word for Satanism, but yeah, don't, yeah. Let's get into that. And question 16 of 16. How much, if at all, do you find that your religious beliefs help you in your family relationships? And then the options are a lot, some, not much, not at all, or not applicable. I'm not religious. And yeah, as a, again, I hate to say it, as a, as a fundamentalist, um, a lot. And in, in my uh, in my life, um, I met my wife uh, in in my church. Um, our pastor married us. Um, actually, we had to get our relationship run past the um, run past our shepherds. Um, well, we we went we went ahead and had formed our relationship anyway without their uh, strict pre approval. And let, let me tell you, that upset a number of people. Uh, then we went ahead and chose our wedding date, which again, upset a lot of people. Um, yeah, so. And again, then when uh, things went wrong in the marriage, uh, things, you know, things are tough in a marriage, not necessarily because humans are frail creatures, but because, you know, there are unseen uh, unseen spiritual forces, uh, you know, sent by Satan to, you know, wreak havoc in the lives of pious Christians. So, yeah. So in this case, I'm going to answer a lot. I'm going to hit submit. So that was question 16 of 16. Okay. And uh, my best fit is Sunday stalwarts, along with 17% of the public. And according to Pew... Uh, Sunday stalwarts are the most religious group. Not only not only do they actively practice their faith, but they are also deeply involved in their religious congregations. So yeah. Now, according to the Pew, uh, according to the Pew uh, quiz, uh, the ranks of spirituality go from so the lowest is solidly secular then up to religion resistors spiritually awake relaxed religious diversely devout god and country believers 
all Sunday stalwarts. And apparently uh, 17% of America <laughs> and this one Australian uh, is a Sunday stalwart. Now, uh, the second Christian denomination quiz I'm going to take is from a website, uh, selectsmart.com. It doesn't quite have the same uh, lovely uh, lovely web design as pewforum.org, but um, I came across this one and I liked it. And yeah, so li again, I will leave the link uh, for this and the pew uh, the Pew quiz in the notes for the for the for the podcast, and again, I'm going to answer these as a fundamentalist uh, charismatic. So, with this website, uh, there are uh, 24 questions. Uh, now, the the way this quiz works is that there are only three choices: agree, disagree, or no preference. However, you do get a little slider which goes between low priority and high priority. Uh, by default, it's in the middle, and yeah, anything that's uh, uh, yeah, anything that uh, really grabs you, you can put in high priority, or anything, anything that doesn't, you can put in low priority. Uh, so yeah, so question one: there is one God. Agree, disagree, or no preference? Well, of course, there is one God. Uh, despite the fact that if you read the Bible you could easily name at least a dozen gods. Um, and this is uh, this is what strikes me as funny, is that, yeah, like, um, yeah, Christians on Twitter have said to me, Damien, there is only one god, but then I can go through their book and name at least a dozen. <laughs> so um, have you read? Uh, it looks like I've read your book more than you have, but yeah, anyway, that's a... Okay, uh, God exists as three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in a fundamentalist Trinitarianism, you are not allowed to disagree. So, uh, agree. The Bible is free from error. And again, in fundamentalist uh, charismatic land, you are not allowed to... Uh, you are not allowed to disagree that the Bible is free from error. The, the, fun, the fundamental tenet of of Protestant uh, or fu fundamentalist Protestantism is that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. If there are contradictions, they are only seeming contradictions. Um, and there's always a defense, no matter how tenuous, no matter how fanciful, there's always a defense to a contradiction. Four, Jesus is God and man. And of course, you agree because, you know, that's, that's the whole point. Jesus was God in the flesh. And you may have heard the 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 apologetic that Jesus was both 100% God and 100% man, which is how he was able, which is why God accepted his sacrifice on the cross because he was a man who stood in our place, despite him also being God, which as an atheist, that doesn't make sense. But all right, that's uh, uh, five. Jesus physically rose from the dead. Agree, disagree, or no preference. And yeah, again, the the fundamental uh, belief is that Jesus died and rose again. It forms part of the Nicene Creed. It forms part. Now I'm going to put high prior high priority in that one because you know, guess what? Actually, I'm going to put high priority on question four. Jesus got a man. High priority on the Bible is free from error. Um, the the doctrine of the Trinity I'm not too bothered about, so I'll, I'll skip the question six. One is saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I agree because, well, yeah, I, I agree because I was um, as as good a works Christian as I was. You know, it was drummed into us that you know salvation is through faith alone. Um, that good works were a were a good thing to have, but faith is the more important one. Uh, seven, one must be a member of a specific church or organization to be saved. Now, 
Sorry about that. I w- I'm actually going to put disagree because in, in my fundamentalist denomination, we accepted that, you know, people who were Anglican or Catholic or whoever were, you know, like weren't in a charismatic fundamentalist group, you know, they were going to be saved. It's just that their, their heavenly experience wasn't going to be as good as what mine was. I have come across churches that believe that only their members are going to be saved. Um, and they kind of threaten you with that if you ever dare to leave. But no, um, I never came across that personally. Well, not in the churches I was in as well. I only heard of churches who did that um, in my local area. But yeah, kind of stayed away from them. So I'm going to say disagree. Um, eight, salvation can only be found through Jesus Christ. And agree, and I'm going to put high priority on that because, yeah, no debate will be entered into. If you uh, if you think you found God through a non-Jesus way, sorry, if you think you found God through a non-Jesus way, you haven't found God is the is the short the short shrift that you get there. Um, yeah. Uh, what was the uh, what was what was the verse? Um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And uh, in fund in fundamentalist land, uh, that was uh, a life or death verse. So eight salvation can only be found through Jesus Christ. Agreed. I'm, I'm going to put high priority on that. Number nine, God has predestination. Sorry, number nine, God has predestined some to salvation and passes over others based only on his will. Um, no, I'm going to disagree with that, just because in my former beliefs, it was possible for everyone to come to salvation. Um, there were some... Actually, no, so I've, re- I've misread the question. Yes, I will agree that God has predestined some to salvation, and passes over others based on yeah so yes sorry about that yeah so some people were let's say chosen from birth um, and then but at how you know someone is chosen from birth and how you know someone who comes to the faith I think is almost a function of your family if you were raised in a Christian household and you accepted Jesus and you you know continue on in the faith, then yes, you know, you were obviously predestined to be a Christian. Um, However, I'm not going to change any priority in that. Um, Ten, all will be saved. Now, disagree. Because hell was there for, hell is there for a purpose. Uh, Revelation says that, you know, in the second, in the lake of fire, you know, Satan and his followers, which, you know, Obviously, those who reject the gospel, um, you know, are going to the lake of fire. There's also the verse that says um, these. Let me just quickly type in the verse or type in the, the string. Uh, what was it? Uh, these are unworthy of the kingdom of God. And uh, Paul gives his list of your know, idolaters and uh adulterers and, you know, gluttons and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, sorry to sorry to be a little bit disorganized, but speaking, speaking of the cuff. I'm trying to find that verse where it says, you know, the these are uh, these will not inherit the uh, these will not inherit the kingdom. Uh, let me see if I can uh, Ah, okay. So Galatians five twenty one. Uh, these who live like this will not inherit the kingdom. Idolatry and sorcery, hatred, discord, jealousy, and rage, rivalries, divisions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, all that kind of stuff. Orgies. So yeah. So in fundamentalist belief, uh, yeah, it is possible to. 
uh, be in danger of the fires of hell. And yeah, so uh, we we definitely weren't universalists. I'll put it like that. Uh, question 11. Once saved, always saved. Eternal security. Now, a bit of a tricky one because there were two competing schools of thought in... Uh, yeah, in, in throughout my life, where there were people who believed that once you receive the Holy Spirit, you will be saved no matter what. And then there are some who believe that, you know, it is possible for you, for you to lose your salvation. Um, I'm going to go disagree. Because I was, I was of that type who believed you could lose your salvation. But anyway, that's uh, uh, 12. Pacifi- pacifism is important. And agree because in and I've got a high priority in that because in in my fundy church, you know, um, you were never allowed to raise your voice at anyone or anything, especially a leader. Um, you weren't even allowed to talk bad about a leader, let alone talk bad in a hostile tone or in a hostile manner. And if like a sub-leader heard you speaking bad about one of their leaders, it would be reported back and you would be spoken you would be spoken to, or you would be spoken about in the next leadership session. Hold on, he has a problem with authority. He's not submitting to uh, the authority of God as brought about through the leadership. Stuff like that. So yes, uh, pacifism is important. Uh, question 13. Water baptism baptism should be practiced. And uh, again, agree, disagree, no preference. And again, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put agree because yeah, you were uh, the only people who were exempt from getting uh, water baptized are those who converted on their deathbeds. That is like literally the only reason that you could get to heaven without a water baptism. So I'm going to put uh, agree and high priority. Um, 14, infants can or should be baptized. I'm going to go disagree because uh, in my in my form of faith, the decision to come to Christ was a personal one. So like, sure, you could get your baby baptized in a mainline denominational church, but we didn't recognize it, or if uh, we recognized it, it wasn't a, an assurance of salvation. It was only choices made for baptism and salvation made as a you know as a teenager or an adult that we that we recognized. So disagree for that. Question fifteen: Baptism saves or regenerates or washes away sin. Uh, agree. That was part of the thing about baptism and I distinctly remember a worship pastor who told us a story of her having an anger problem and then when she got baptized she felt her anger problem uh, literally wash away and that was it wasn't the universal experience but it was like if if it happened then it was a sign of God's favor and grace upon you um, but yeah, you like you were made new spiritually. But if you happen to undergo some sort of personality change, then yes, that's uh, good on you. Uh, Sixteen. Christ is physically present in communion. Now I'm going to go disagree because for me, communion was always symbolic. There was no no such thing as transubstantiation in the Protestant charismatic faith. Um, anyone who believed that was literally believing the doctrine of idols and, and pagans. And there's no no guessing as to who that was a backhanded uh, remark towards. Uh, 17. Infants can receive communion. Now, I'm going to go disagree because, again, uh, salvation was a personal choice. And if you hadn't made the personal choice to receive the Lord then communion communion is basically a snack. 18. Tradition plays a part in the church. Now, um, 
in my former walk, uh, tradition was something that was done, you know, hundreds and thousands of years ago, but isn't really something for today. Uh, I suppose the only ways in which the modern charismatic church still follow tradition is that one, uh, churches on church services on Sundays, two, you have some form of music. Um, and I'm just trying to think, I don't think I've ever been in a church service where there wasn't music. This is a really, yeah, just think about it. Or preaching. So basically you have like the tenets of, you know, Sunday morning service, uh, music, preaching, um, some sort of collection, uh, monetary collection. But if we, if someone came in and came in and said, hey, let's do this thing that uh, Thomas Aquinas said we should do, they would go, why should we pay any any heed to Thomas Aquinas? Or, you know, if uh, Justin Martyr said we should do something, or if, you know, any of these other, if any of the proto-Orthodox church fathers made a suggestion, then it's like, well, who, 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 why should we pay any attention to that? Without realizing that, you know, the modern church plays off of the traditions of, you know, their forefathers. So disagree, tradition plays a part in the church. Number 19, there is a literal heaven and hell. Uh, agree, disagree, or no preference. And of course, as a fundamentalist, you agree, and I'm going to put the highest priority I can I can on that. Um, yeah, so that's... That's that, yeah. So you, um, yeah, in fundamentalist land, there is a literal heaven and hell. Um, uh, good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. Uh, angels come from heaven, demons come from hell, all that kind of stuff. Question 20. The preferred day of worship or Sabbath is Sunday. Agree, disagree, or no preference? And agree, and... Yeah, in my, in my experience, I'm just trying to think. I don't remember being in a church that even had Saturday services, let alone... Um, no, I was, never, I was never a Seventh-day Adventist, so scratch that. Um, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, so back, back when I was a, I was a charismatic, um, it was Sunday or bust, basically. Um, yeah, you were expected to be at the you know, the nine a.m. service, you know, bright, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Um, and I, I don't know if I'll release the episode before this comes out, but there is a uh, a lessons from life episode that I may or may not have recorded by the time I release this, where um, in my university days I got a job that sometimes required me to work on Sundays. And yeah, I got into some trouble because of that. And so yeah, uh, Sunday or bust. But yeah, um, yeah, you were expected to make Sunday service a priority. And uh, yeah, there was very little, very little leeway given to anyone who worked on Sundays or you know had some sort of pre-existing career. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, question twenty-one. People receive charismatic gifts today, tongues, prophecy, etc. Um, of course, agree, and again, highest priority, because what was it, the, the, the five-fold apostolic ministry? Let me just quickly uh, Google that uh, while I'm doing this. All right, so the, uh, the five-fold ministry is the... Uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And in that, um, yeah, prophecy was obviously a uh, prophecy was obviously a gift of the spirit, and teaching is a gift of the spirit, and like miracle working and all all that kind of stuff. So yes, uh, I agree with the highest priority. Question twenty two: A woman can serve as a pastor or church minister. I'm going to put agree uh, because, yeah, in my fundamentalist charismatic church, um, even though Paul clearly says that women should be quiet in church, um, we had the workaround where if there was a clear calling from God on that woman, uh, then that woman could serve. 
Um, there were female pastors in my former charismatic uh, move, charismatic movement church. Um, it certainly didn't hurt if you were pretty. I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I'm just trying to think. Um, but yeah, t- taking like a frontline position, not many women did. But in my former in my former church, uh, women were more expected to be in the like assistant role. So the husband was always the pastor, and then the wife was either the worship minister, the teaching minister, or, or something like that. But she was always under the authority of her husband. So yeah, um, and, and look, I. Didn't have too much of a problem with women being ministers. Um, you know, I I read those verses where Paul says, you know, women shall be quiet and women shall be subservient and things like that. But I never really, um, you know, I thought there was always some sort of justification around it that I didn't understand. And so, yeah, that was uh, that was my cognitive dissonance. Uh, question twenty three. Infallible authority in faith is invested in a single person or few slash many people. Uh, hard to say because on paper, on paper, the senior pastor and like the national pastor and the regional pastor and the the chief executive pastor were all called by God. And it was acknowledged that they had that it was possible for them to fail at some things, though they shouldn't fail. Um, so we didn't expect people to be infallible. Well, no, we we knew people weren't infallible, though we expected them to be. So I'm going to put disagree. Oh, sorry, I'm going to put agree, even though there's a bit of a conjecture both ways. And twenty four. Only scripture should be used as a rule of faith. And I'm going to go disagree because in anyone who's been in a charismatic church before, or even a fundamentalist church, will know that there are two sources of divine teaching. One is the Bible, and two is any books written by a senior pastor or above. And so, yeah, in my former church, um, the the founder of the movement was held in very, very, very high esteem. And so, his book was constantly recommended as a as a guide to theology, as a guide to faith, as a you know, as a like as like a doctrinal guide. Um, yeah, so. Yes, the Bible was um, the Bible was the Word of God, but if you could glean anything from the uh, from the founder's book, then yeah, you were expected to uh, glean something from the founder's book. Now uh, that is the end of the quiz. Now that you have answered all the questions, continue to the show me my result button. But show me my result button below, and I'm going to go show me my result. And, oh, here we go. So, my top, my top five matches from SelectSmart.com. Uh, I'm a I'm one hundred percent a Seventh Day Adventist, which is uh, interesting because I've never been a Seventh Day Adventist before. Um, so I'm a hundred percent a Seventh Day Adventist. I'm ninety seven percent Assemblies of God. Mennonite Brethren, 90% Church of Christ, and 89% United Pentecostal Church. Out of those, I will say that the Assemblies of God uh, ranking is uh, most appropriate because, yeah, I... in, In Australia, it used to be called Assemblies of God, but then I think Assemblies of God kind of got like a bad rap. And so Brian Houston, um, him of Hillsong fame, who is also the president of the of Assemblies of God, a few years ago they changed their name from Assemblies of God to Australian Christian Churches, 
which is a lot more um a lot more vanilla a lot more vanilla. And so yeah, but however, um Planet Shakers came out of uh, out of Assemblies of God in in Adelaide. Um just trying to think. Um Hillsong are a are basically an Assemblies of God church. Um and yeah, and former charismatic me, um I was very comfortable in Hillsong style churches. And so yeah, so um Seventh Day Advent Seventh Day Adventists though. Hmm, interesting. Uh down the bottom, uh the least the least best fits are Unity Church, 0%, Unitarian Universalism, 4%, Liberal Quakerism, 31%, Jehovah's Witness, 38%, and Roman Catholic Church, 68%. So I'd only be a, a partial match for them, but yeah. Anyway, um, it's been great taking this quiz with you. I hope you've enjoyed both the quiz and my, and my commentary. Uh, have a great day, have a great week, and I'll see you next time. Bye. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe and rate it on whatever platform you find it on and share it on your social media. Continue the discussion on the discussion post as well as check out more thought-provoking content over at www.tallfriendlyatheistdad.com. If you wish to be a guest, would like me as a guest on your podcast or platform, or even to be a sponsor, head over to the Twitter account for this podcast at T-F-A-D pod. But the best way to support this podcast is to head over to the iTunes bookstore or Google Play and purchase your copy of The Best Religion for the Task at Hand, a response to creationism and why humanism is morally superior to the Bible. You'll be engaged by it. Thank you for listening to the Tall Friendly Atheist Dad podcast. Have a great day. Have a great week. See you next time.